0: Well, the snow is about to start flying here this time of year, and if you're anything like me, that means time to hang the bikes, pack up the jean shorts, and clean up the yard for the long winter hibernation. Fortunately, there is relief from dreary winter woes. Paper Blossoms by McKell are always in season. Paper Blossoms by McKell are custom arrangements handmade to order any time of year. Each bouquet is unique, competitively priced, and best of all, no green thumb required. If you're looking for that original gift for someone special or something to brighten the living room, check them out at Facebook at facebook.com slash blossoms by That's Paper Blossoms by McKel, Michal, M-I-C-H-A-L. And remember, Valentine's Day is right around the corner.
1: That's right, Paul. And if you're interested in winning a free bouquet of flowers from Paper Blossoms by McHel, then we have an amazing contest for you. Beginning on December seventeenth, go to iTunes to dating ourselves podcast and give us a five star review and leave us some nice words. Once you do that, you'll automatically be entered into the contest on January 17th. We will pick three winners out of a hat and those winners will each receive a custom made bouquet of flowers from paper blossoms by Mikkel. And let me tell you as an eighties nineties or early two thousands fan, the opportunity to win one of these three bouquets will be amazing. So again, to enter the contest, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And if you'd like to order your own Paper Blossom by Mikkel, visit facebook.com slash Paper Blossoms by Mikkel. That's M-I-C-H-A-L. Welcome back to the past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Paul and Brian.
0: Hello. Hey, guys. So here we are, episode five, the podcast strikes back. If you missed last week, we had Batman the Animated Series uh, talked about the card game Uno and the Sega game Kid Chameleon.
2: So on the show, we've covered topics ranging from Gator Golf to GoldenEye and... If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, um, I'd like to remind everyone that we do have a website for that, www.datingourselvespodcast.com, or you can email us at datingourselvespodcast at AOL.com.
0: I'm pretty excited about this week's episode as we're covering some great television and cinematic history, including one of my favorite movies in which music is used to kill the bad guys, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, It's actually
1: Mars Attacks, Paul. That too. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so we're actually going to talk about Mars Attacks today Um, We're also going to be discussing the classic Spawn action figure line from the 90s And my favorite sci-fi, alien, soap opera, and slightly romantic TV drama, The X-Files And with all of that Does
1: David Duchovny get in a relationship with an alien? I want to
0: believe
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's in a relationship with Cher, but that's a whole other story Um, (laughs) um With that, I'm going to turn this over to Paul to start us off with Spawn action figures.
0: So I was a little perplexed by this topic because I love Spawn and it's going to be really hard for me not to segue into just Spawn. So I'm going to get it all out of the way in like the first 45 seconds with a brief overview of what Spawn is and then I'll talk about the toys, the action figures and what makes them cool. Um, Spawn is a demon that he was a soldier that was killed. He was betrayed by his friend and killed, and he makes a deal with the devil that he can come back to Earth if he leads Hell's Armies. And he comes back to Earth and kind of lives in this um, middle ground where he doesn't want to be the bad guy, but that is his eternal role. comic book was written by Todd McFarlane, also the maker of the toys, and it's an awesome anti-hero gritty story. It has beautiful artwork, and that definitely carries over into the action figures. Are you guys familiar with McFarland Toys?
2: Oh, very, very
1: much, yes. Yeah, they (laughs) make great action figures and stuff back in the 90s. They still do. So,
0: yeah, they still still do. In fact, they're doing the Walking Dead action figures currently. Oh, really? I didn't realize that.
2: That's really cool. That is awesome.
0: They uh, started in 94 and the first line of toys was a course around Spawn and some of their first lines included Spawn himself, Medieval Spawn, which is the ca- the medieval counterpart, uh, Violator, who you might remember from the movie. He's what the clown turns into. The clown played by John Leguizamo. For people yeah. who aren't familiar with the comic book, that's the most common reference point I can come up with. <laughs> and the action figures even had their own like alleyway back play set. <laughs> <laughs> as the
1: as you usually do play as he- as my children's
0: Hellspawn toys <laughs> should. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is why McFarlane Toys has always been controversial, because they usually are very graphic and te- tend to depict dark things. Although they have done The Simpsons and uh, Where the Wild Things Are, and some more family-friendly, you know, characters as well. But and I remember they, really did, sense- uh,
2: they did a line of like music artists and stuff like that too, if I remember yes. correctly, like Alice yes, Cooper, they did. Kiss, they did The Kiss. Beatles.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. they actually sell those at a comic shop just a few miles down the road from where I live. They're amazing, but man, they're expensive.
0: If you've never seen them, I'm sure your local Spencer's Gifts has them, or Hot Topic. Is Spencer's Gifts still a thing? Yeah, Spencer's is still around. Okay, I just, I, after I said it, I was like, oh crap, I haven't been in a mall in like 10 years. <laughs> I, I,
1: I always feel really weird going in there now, though. Like, being a 30-plus-year-old adult male... I feel like I'm very out of my element going into that place anymore. Oh,
2: you don't want a flat rim hat with a big cannabis leaf on it (laughs) that doesn't fit your style?
1: (laughs) Believe it or not, I don't have much use for that kind of clothing anymore. So
0: what you're saying is you're the guy that creeped us out in high school.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He likes to hang in that back aisle of Spencer's gifts. Um...
0: (laughs) I can feel you cursing me under your breath. It's great. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: he so. may or may not be in, uh, incorrect on that one
0: <laughs> <laughs> back to mcfarland toys the trend that mcfarland toys really set is if you think about like the ghostbusters and beetlejuice action figures and stuff that we had in the early 90s when we were growing up or the turtles most of them were very bland, one, two colors. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most of the time the mouth was just kind of blotted over. But a McFarlane toy, each piece is individually painted. There's always a texture to it. It's sculpted. And it has uh, just an insane amount of detail to it.
2: Yeah, um, with- I think they're like basically, you know, people bought them and played with them. But I, I think that... The main idea was they were almost like statues, like like exactly. for, for oh, your absolutely. display cabinet or for your desktop. And a lot of people still keep them that way. Like I, I know a lot of people that have, you know, Spawn sitting on their desk or, or some of the other characters. And there are so many different release series of that I want to say like the first release and, and maybe you can correct me on what the specifics are, Paul, but I want to mm-hmm. say there's probably only like eight or 10 different action figures in that first release, but there's probably got to be close to. A thousand just in the spawn line alone.
1: Easily. I'm looking I'm looking at uh pictures of their lineup online right now, and just the sheer amount of uh different kinds of action figures they have for spawn is unbelievable. They have one that looks like a uh it could be like a French Legion or oh no, it's a pirate. Uh, they have a pirate spawn. Uh, so he's like dressed up in a big like tunic thing with a sword and a pistol. They have one that looks like a uh, Trojan uh, soldier, like the guys from the movie Three Hundred. He looks kind of like that. That's cool. Uh, they I've got never seen that. One... One. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll uh, send you the picture later. It's pretty sweet. Um, they got one that looks like kind of like Jack the Ripper, and, and I mean. Just the sheer amount of, like, different styles of him is unbelievable. And then, of course, you have, like, the traditional ones and stuff like that. But, I mean, just the sheer volume of different kinds of spawn action figures they have is unbelievable.
0: And what's great about them is they always have a bottom end and a high end.
1: So Mm -hmm. even
0: their $22 standard action figure, which has kind of set the bar for more kids toys or, you know, just given them more toward the you know, more detailed versions. Even the $22 one is still in a blister pack and set up that it could be usable by collectors or kids. Mm -hmm.
2: So what is like a a high-end, like, spawn action figure go for?
0: So if you're talking like a first release when they come out, I would say the average price of... The high tier is 100. The mid tier is 50. The mid tiers would be the ones we've seen the most of. And then uh, the lower end is like uh, 25. Gotcha. That's not too bad. Better than I thought it was going to be. And that was kind of... So the whole idea is Todd McFarlane always takes great detail over his creations because he feels he's the only one that can do it right, which is why he directed the Spawn movie. He uh, supervised and produced the TV show for HBO, and he did the same thing with the toys. He started Todd's Toys, which is now McFarlane Toys, because he didn't think that another company could do a Spawn action figure the way he thought it was meant to be done. Wow, that's some dedication right there. And, uh... It definitely, his passion for it definitely shows in his level of detail and everything.
2: Oh, absolutely. Now, to kind of go into that a little bit more, I'm sure most people that are listening to this podcast are familiar, at least peripherally, with Spawn. But for many people that aren't, I think it might be helpful to kind of go into the details of what makes those toys so incredibly detailed. Because we, we, we mentioned that a little bit, but... His cape, for example, was something that was super iconic in the comics because it was always gigantic red and flowing. And the underside of the cape was like like black shadows. And it would sometimes yeah. in certain comics like wrap from one page into the next. It was just so, so massive. Mm-hmm. And the toys capture that so well. Like it's not just like a boring flat piece of plastic or like some piece of cloth or something. It's very much sculpted into a way that's... um
0: it looks like it's moving. It really does.
1: That is, it, if no, that, you
0: glance at it and it's still, it really does look like it's blowing in the wind.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like it, some of them are wrapped very intricately around him, like he were, you know, in progress of moving, and so it's wrapping with him. There's some where it's, uh, you, you know, big behind him, kind of like a bat wing almost, like just a big giant presence behind him. It, it's really unbelievable how much detail they even focused on just the cape aspect of these, let alone the actual details of the characters themselves. Oh,
0: yeah, very much so. And I love that everyone gets... So, like, even Sam and Twitch and other minor characters in the Spawn series, he's done backstories and characters and um, action figures for all of them, and it's great, the level of detail. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So let's go a little bit into kind of what makes Spawn... Who he is. So we mentioned that he was originally a guy. He was originally a soldier. Was killed in battle, um, and then he kind of comes back. Now, what kind of abilities and powers does he have? What what makes him like the, this Hell Knight working in in Satan's service?
0: So he is. A- I don't want to say he's omnipotent, but he can he can sense danger and people's actions before they occur. And he's kind of like almost a little bit in a lot of the stories. Like, even though he's the star of it, he's not always in it so much as he's there in the background observing. And he's kind of like the demon or the angel on your shoulder, depending on the story, telling you what to do or not do. And in some cases, he'll, you know, offer people advice or in other cases, he'll just lay waste to, like, whole gangs it really it's it's driven he's driven completely by almost like pure rage i mean the whole reason that he came back from hell is because he never got a chance to start a life with his wife and she's moved on and that him wanting to be back with her was what motivated him from you know transcending death itself to come back right And he has hope that he might somehow be able to become human again
2: yeah yeah, because I remember there's a, a, a scene in one of the comics where he goes back and his wife is with someone else. And I want to say it was even like his friend or something like that, like she had moved It's on. his old partner. Yeah, so it's been a long time since I've looked at these. Um, But yeah, very, very iconic series, very 90s in the way that it's done in comics. Like it's a lot of dark shades and a lot of very oh yes intricate art in kind of a... Um, It's almost like a painful and beautiful at the same time kind of way that it's um, portrayed. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, awesome. well, And you really
0: struggle to find a redeemable person in any of the story. Even Spawn, who at times is on the cusp of redeeming himself, everybody always sort of falls short of that. Everyone has a past. Every... It's kind of that Twin Peaks-esque like everyone has a dark secret. Mm-hmm. That's
2: brilliant. I don't think I've ever heard the two compared before. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Do um, you guys have any other takeaways about Spawn action figures? Any memories of Owning them or anything like that.
1: Um, I don't think I ever owned any, but I remember playing with some at some point, and I just remember always loving the the look of it. Like it's such an iconic look for, uh, especially for Spawn, uh, the the character Spawn. Just such a cool, iconic look, and even as a kid, you can appreciate how just insanely awesome his costume is, and the the big uh, cape and everything like that um just so appealing to not only kids but uh, you know adults who read the series and understand the character a little bit more and stuff so it it's just a very iconic group and it, and I'm glad that McFarlane was the one who produced them uh, like Paul mentioned I don't think anybody would have been able to do that character justice because otherwise right, it right. would have looked like you know more of a cartoonish version like the old uh you know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures exactly. and stuff like that which were great but they certainly wouldn't have captured the, the feel Level of, of detail. The... Yeah, absolutely.
2: And that's kind of what I was going to get at, too, is that I remember as a kid, you know, you never really thought about, like, collecting your toys, like, as an investment, you know. Um, and now I kind of wish that I would have, because some of those were probably right. worth a lot of money. But I remember but- distinctly, like, my brother and I being kids, and we just had, like, a big bin of just action figures. And so you'd go through that, and you'd have a Sid Vicious WWF action figure mixed in with like (laughs) Wolverine in like his 80s gold and maroon garb and then in the middle of that you had this Spawn action figure that completely stood head and shoulders in terms of quality above anything else that was in that toy chest and you know you could tell even like as like a like a 10 year old kid like wow this thing is pretty badass you didn't take any better care of it, but you, you were like, that's the one <laughs> I want to play used with. used it to beat
1: the crap out of the bad guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. Knock sabertooth
2: on his ass, but, uh, <laughs> I, that's always a <laughs> fun. To
1: be fair, sabertooth past- had it coming. He
2: did. And that's always a fun pastime too, is how many strange universes that I created. Like nowadays, we're so used to the Marvel Cinematic Universe connecting everyone's story, but back then, man, it was just like your toy box. And it's like, all right, we're gonna have Donatello and uh, He Man fight each other and see what happens. Um. <laughs> and, and Hulk Hogan's the third man in. Right, right, right. And you get some big bad Beetleborgs in there, and I mean, it's 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 crazy. <laughs> Do you have any uh-
1: DBS tagging
0: with Godzilla? <laughs> that's right. <let> <laughs>
1: that's right. <laughs> he, he put Mothra in the million dollar dream.
2: <laughs> so do you have any last, uh, last thoughts on this Paul?
0: No, other than, uh, I don't own many of them mostly because of the space that action figures take up, but the ones that I do own are special to me and they're, they're still on my desk today. That's so, awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that pretty much covers it. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Adam to talk about Attack of the, damn it, Mars Attacks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's okay. We'll have that one's slide. on. <laughs> so, uh, like Paul mentioned, I'm going to be talking about the just amazingly campy movie, Mars Attacks from 1996. So, for those of you who have never seen it, Mars Attacks came out uh, on December 13th, 1996 and it was directed by Tim Burton and I'm not gonna go through like characters and stuff like that uh, because it's really not super pertinent to the movie like who each person plays isn't super important but just going through the cast list of this is kind of insane uh you have Lisa Marie Presley, Natalie Portman, Tom Jones, Rod Steiger, Michael J. Fox, Sarah Jessica Parker, Martin Short, Danny DeVito, Pierce Brosnan, Annette Benning, Glenn Close, and then Jack Nicholson, who plays two characters in the movie. He plays the President of the United States, and he also plays a real estate developer named Art Land. And a essentially- <laughs> very clever name. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> right, right. So, um,. The the movie itself is pretty straightforward. There's really not a whole lot of plot to the film, other than a group of Martians attacks the United States uh, and all over the world, and we're tra- you know we go and do our like hey you know we're peaceful and we're not going to do anything, and then all of a sudden pandemonium breaks out and the Martians start attacking the people basically just at will. And uh, essentially, there's no real reason behind it. They're just Having because, fun. <laughs> yeah, they're they're essentially just having fun, and uh, they they do some crazy experiments. Uh, like Pierce Brosnan at one point gets uh, basically pulled into every piece imaginable. They focus on his head because his head's still uh, sentient, but then you have like his arm and a leg and his torso all hanging on different like li- little hooks and stuff like that. Uh, around his body and then uh what's her name Uh, sarah jessica parker plays this like tv show host kind of like a ricky lake uh Mm kind of personality back in the 90s and uh she ends up she has a chihuahua and just for fun the martians decide to take her head off and put her head on the chihuahua's body and the chihuahua's head on her body so (laughs) it's 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 just basically a whole movie about these Martians really just kind of messing with the humans in a very messed up and dark manner. Kind of the takeaway I had from it when I. Because I hadn't seen this movie legitimately since 1996 until I heard that this was going to be my topic. And then I decided to go and re watch it.
2: <laughs> oh, man. And I'm really
1: glad I did because when it came out, I was 10 years old. And it. More scared me than anything, uh, because of like, <laughs> well, well, I mean, to be fair, you know, you have Pierce Brosnan who gets uh, becomes a uh, almost like in Futurama, he's like a, a disembodied head that's still alive, and then the whole like putting the head, you know, swapping heads and stuff like that, and
2: well, the aliens are really, Fox the aliens are really, uh, right, yeah. Well, the aliens are really creepy too. I mean, yeah. the, like big brains on the. You yes. come in peace. So,
1: so they're, they're, the aliens are really kind of weird looking. Like they look almost like skulls, but with big green brains. It almost looks like broccoli coming out of the top of their heads. <laughs> um, and actually, that was one of the things that I was going to mention with it too. Is it was really funny to to watch this again because at first. I was watching it, and I was like, man, this is weird. Like, the graphics are really dated. Like, if you watch, the aliens look just awful when you go back and rewatch the movie. And then I stopped and thought about it, and kind of tying in what I was seeing and what the story was, I realized... This movie is essentially just a spoof of the old, really bad sci-fi films. Like, basically, imagine—I wouldn't say really bad.
0: (laughs) Those are fantastic (laughs) films.
1: (laughs) Campy, we'll call them campy. That's fair. That's fair. But like, think of the old, uh, like movies that the uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand guys spoof. Essentially, this is a modern take on that, and so it's not supposed to be. It's not. It doesn't take itself seriously as a you know, alien flick. It's essentially just a movie about these really messed up aliens who are coming to basically have new playthings on planet Earth. And it is absolutely brilliant. There's so many great scenes in it. Uh, With with you guys, is there any particular scenes or anything you remember that stuck out to you as being uh, particularly funny or interesting about the video?
0: The Washington Monument. (laughs) <laughs> so there's an old movie yeah. called Earth versus the Flying Saucers, and I could be wrong, but I think a lot of the overall story of Mars Attacks comes from Earth as the Flying Saucers. Yes. And in Earth versus the Flying Saucers, there is a scene where uh one of the Flying Saucers takes out the Washington Monument and just knocks it over on some people. And as a kid, that terrified me. And they showed it in the preview of Mars Attacks and my uncle took me to see it and we would always watch Monster Fest on AMC every year around halloween so i'd seen the old one like a thousand times and i was like really kind of scared of you know what was going to happen there just because it wasn't clear if it was a complete comedy or what it was but what happens in the movie is the flying saucer is balancing the washington monument on a point and there's a boy scout troop that was there for a tour at the base and they kind of line it up and let it go and as it starts to tip toward the boy scouts they run to the other side and the flying saucer catches catches it and then repositions it and tries to drop it on him again <laughs> oh, <laughs> and that's, that, that that's that forever ingrained in my brain
1: <laughs> yeah the the first time i saw that scene when i was uh re-watching it i was just cracking up that that's a great scene just uh they, they pull it off very well in the movie now what about you brian do, do you have <sighs> any uh, fond memories of mars attacks
2: gosh it's been so long since i've seen it i remember that there was a amazingly huge cast and a lot of them died. Uh yeah, <laughs> like yeah. almost Spoil- all of them.
1: Spoiler Spoil alerts, but yeah, a lot of the uh <laughs> especially a lot of the big names uh end up getting killed in the movie. Like Michael J. Fox is one of the first gone. I'm pretty sure Martin Short gets killed uh by Lisa Marie who plays this uh like super creepy martian girl like she's the one that goes to try and get access to the president of the united states and uh she looks like i I mean a lot of it stylized to look like an old 50s sci-fi film yeah and so she very much is like a 1950s style character as far as like she's wearing the big uh dress she's got a 50s haircut and stuff like that but then there's just this really creepy thing where she never blinks because she's you know actually one of the Martians and stuff like that. But uh, she ends up killing Martin Short and probably one of my favorite deaths. And this actually might be one of my favorite scenes too. Is uh, Jack Black is actually in the movie? It's one of his earlier films. It's uh, probably within his first five to ten films he ever did, and uh, he plays this character who uh, is essentially like. You know, one of those guys that from a young age always wanted to be in the military and stuff like that. There's a scene when you first are introduced to him where he's blindfolded and he uh, is putting a gun back together completely blindfolded and all you know, all that very military esque stuff you see in movies. And uh, so he ends up going to be one of the first groups that is there when the president meets with the Martians the first time. And all pandemonium breaks loose after they start attacking the people. And Jack Black finally like summons up all of his courage. He grabs his gun and he runs up to it. And he says something along the lines of die, you alien shitheads. And then he, pulls, <laughs> yeah. he goes to pull the trigger. And instead of pulling the trigger, he releases the uh, clip for his gun. And he just stands there until he gets killed. <laughs> doesn't he salute as he gets uh, vaporized? I think so. Yeah, like cuz uh the, in the movie the the way that they kill the humans is they shoot them with this like gun ray kind of thing and it turns their uh skeleton or, or either like burns them in red or green. I don't know if there's any symbolic reasoning behind that, but essentially they would be engulfed in a red or green flame and then uh what would be left behind is a red or green skeleton and then uh like, usually, uh, with a lot of the characters, they wouldn't just get vaporized all at once. It would be like they would start at their feet and then slowly work his, their way up. So as he's, like, vaporized from the chest down, he salutes as he disappears.
0: <laughs> and don't his parents watch it live on TV or something? Really? I'm pretty sure, because oh, it, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, it yeah, was on I'm the saying. TV broadcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, Because it was right. his younger yeah. his
0: younger brother is the one that goes to save his grand or they, he goes to get his grandma. And that's my other favorite part is the, <laughs> the younger brother of that guy goes to get his grandmother from a nursing home. And when they get into the nursing nursing home, the Martians are just lighting it up. And I'll never forget he's running through the hallway to get to his grandmother's room. And it's like I, I would love to be the guy that thought this was a great idea for a practical effect, but they take a dummy, put it in a wheelchair, light it on fire, and then push it through the hallway hallway and the <laughs> actor just jumps over it and like and like an amazing feat like i don't think i could ever hurdle over a wheelchair with you know, a person in it let alone if it was on fire <laughs> right
1: well, well what's great about that scene too is shortly after that he gets to his grandma's room and much to his surprise the martians are already there uh attempting to kill her but they don't just have like a normal gun They have this absolutely gigantic ray right behind her head, and they keep repositioning it as she's moving. Like, she has no idea that they're in there because she's listening to music on her headphones. What song? Oh, I'll get to that in just a second. So So he runs in, and he sees that uh, they're about to kill her with this giant cosmic death ray, and one of them accidentally trips over the headphone cord, And all of a sudden, the song, Indian Love Song by Slim Whitman starts playing. (laughs) Slim Slim Pickens. And the song is absolutely atrocious. (laughs) it's, It's actually listed as a jazz song, but it sounds like one of those old, like, Real old, like, 1930s, 1940s country songs where it's a lot of yodeling and stuff like that <laughs> in it. And uh, much to the surprise of the kid, all of the Martians' brains start to explode. And so they figure out that the one thing that can kill all of these Martians inexplicably is... Is the song Indian Love Song. <laughs>
0: and the look on the Martian's face is like, picture yourself being, you know, four or five years old, trapped in the back of your parents' Cadillac when they first discovered Willie Nelson. That is, you know, that's the look of the the Martian's face as he's slowly like
1: gasping for air and then his head just explodes inside of his helmet. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, that scene is absolutely fantastic. And then, for, for whatever reason Tom Jones becomes a very big character <laughs> I was gonna uh, say there and-
2: there are two two actors I wanted to ask you about and that was one of the two is what what is Tom Jones's role in the movie it's been a long time since I've seen this he's
1: himself so, yeah he essentially just plays himself he uh, he comes into the story because one of the characters, uh works at um it's uh Byron Williams is the character's name. He's that played by was, Jim Brown. That was
2: the other one I wanted to ask you about was Jim yep. Brown. Um, so
1: so the two of them are in Las Vegas. Jim Brown actually uh in the movie plays a former boxer uh named Byron Williams who is no longer boxing anymore and he's working at what like one of the casinos. It must be like Caesar's Palace or Luxor or something like that because he's wearing like an old Egyptian costume most of the the movie. And uh, it just so happens that the Martians, and this is actually a funny scene as well, this one ranked up there for me, is uh, Tom Jones is actually in Vegas performing his uh, hit song, the one that everyone knows from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the Carlton Dance, which is, uh, it's not unusual. (laughs) And he's performing that on stage and as he's performing, the lights go out, and as they come back up, you're looking at him from the front, and you're looking over his shoulder, and uh, two Martians, or three Martians, have replaced his backup singers, and they're dancing along to the music <laughs> until he realizes that they're back there, and uh, he, he they start to kill everyone in the audience and stuff again. Um, so then, inexplicably, Chomp Jones becomes one of the main characters, because him, Danny DeVito... Jim Brown and uh, one other character, and I'm blanking. Oh, uh, the other one was Annette Benning's character. Uh, the four of them end up becoming a group that's trying to get from Las Vegas back to DC where most of the uh, attack is happening.
2: What a crazy, crazy movie. It <laughs> really
1: is. It's... I watch it every Halloween with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's another, there's another actor in it that I forgot to mention. The great and... Highly underrated, Joe Don Baker. <laughs> <laughs> if, if none of you know who Joe Don Baker is, he's been in a bunch of movies, including uh, GoldenEye, uh, Kate Fear, Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, all of those. But one of my favorites happens to be from an old movie he did in the 1970s, I think it was, and it was uh, a movie that they had on, uh, it was actually one of the, uh, mystery science theater movies and i i think it's called like the last justice or something hard
0: justice it.
1: yes hard justice that movie is <laughs> unbelievable and i i just love watching him in that movie <laughs> and when i say unbelievable i mean it is really bad but it's so amazing
2: <laughs> yeah i always liked him as uh as jack wade in the in the bond movies like especially in, yeah. in golden eye where he's just hiding out with the the marines in a in his Hawaiian shirt out in the middle of the jungle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All these Marines are dressed in, you know, their garb and they have the uh, face paint on and all that. And he's just wearing this brightly colored Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) Like it's totally normal for an FBI agent or whatever to be wearing that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, is there any other uh particular things you guys have about uh mars attacks anything you remember from it or any uh memories
2: i think i've uh i've spent my entire mars attack <laughs> deposit already i uh <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't really fair. have a whole lot of other memories other than uh it being crazy and i i was Um, as, as both you and Paul can probably attest, I was always obsessed with those, those old, like 1950s B movies. Um, so this movie was really, really something I was looking forward to. And then it was just so weird and campy and silly that I like, it really disappointed me as a kid. I'll have to go back and watch it now because. You then, need feel, movie
1: night. Movie night I felt night like idea. they were
2: like uh, intentionally, like really making fun of it, like in a bully sort of way, as opposed to like a uh, kind of a, a, a nod to it, like a kind of like this is this is something we want to try to emulate, but have fun with it. So,
1: right, right. Well, and, and you can you can expect weirdness considering it is Tim Burton. So, oh, for sure. You know, he definitely puts his own spin on it, which is fantastic because the the spin he does put on it is just absolutely brilliant. Like the uh, w- one last little thing with it. Uh, what in the very beginning of the movie, kind of the way they introduce that anything is going wrong in the first place is, uh, th- there's these farmers out in the middle of nowhere. And one of them rides up on his tractor and he's asking about when, when they started grilling burgers or something like that. And the farmer looks at him like, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden you just see this large herd of animals running by on fire And it's just I mean, the graphics are so bad, but it's just so funny because like there's no explanation. You just see this giant herd of animals on fire running by. And it's like one of those where you can tell they just superimpose like a digital graphic of fire over them as they're running by. It's it's brilliant. It's so amazing.
0: I will say it had the best presidential death ever with Jack Nicholson.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, we we won't give too many spoilers, but uh, yes, it is definitely a uh, very epic death in the end. And actually, Jack Nicholson gets the uh, distinct honor of dying twice in the movie: uh, once as Art Land, <laughs> and once as the President of the United States. He didn't want to be. He didn't want to be outdone by Sean Bean. <laughs> He, he was just trying to pay homage to Sean Bean. <laughs> okay, so if, uh, if nobody's got anything else, I think we can go ahead and move on to our last topic, which is going to be over to Brian, who's going to talk to us about the wonderful Fox uh, TV series from the 90s, The X-Files.
0: Yeah,
2: so The X-Files. Featuring
0: a Grand Rapids native.
2: It is, yes. it is. So um, as, as we discussed uh in our very first episode we are all from uh the grand rapids michigan area and so miss jillian anderson also is from grand rapids she even went to high school
1: at that building down by like 196 and 131 there that's now
2: like an apartment complex i think that's true i think that's true um yeah so that's way too local. yeah i mean literally
1: when we talk about this we're talking like maybe five ten miles down the road from us
2: yeah at most it's it's uh it's pretty pretty remarkable because grand rapids i mean nowadays it's 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 a it's a bigger town than it used to be for sure Mm -hmm. i mean it was very much just a uh small midwestern dot and and we we were lucky to have jillian anderson be from uh be from our neck of the woods so um, that, we only
0: had three people we had roger b chaffee yes jillian anderson and gerald yes. r ford and as a kid i constantly struggled which one of those i wanted to claim as my hometown hero <laughs> i can tell you who was at the bottom for sure <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, well what's his face from conan was from uh was from grand rapids too wasn't he
1: what's his name andy
2: richter andy richter i'm pretty sure is from grand rapids Really? Yeah. Huh.
1: I well, I'll have to look this up. I, yeah. Well, while, I'm, while I'm doing
2: my spiel, um, go go fact check that. And make sure that I'm I, right. I've already screwed up I, I like 14 am, things on this on this episode, so I want to be right at least on that. <laughs> um, and then Floyd Mayweather is from Grand Rapids too. But. Yes,
1: he is. Uh, Andy Richter is from Grand Rapids, Michigan. All that right. is awesome. All I right. never knew that. All
2: right, good. I'm, I'm glad that I was right about one thing because um, anyway. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, X-Files, it was aired on Fox. It was way ahead of its time. And I think, um, for as far as other types of nineties, dramatic shows like this, it has really held up well. It, it very much has, is aged well. Um, Mm-hmm. to the point where they've brought it back on a couple different occasions, including recently like I say within the last year or two they've re-released some episode. Well, they released episodes all the time but um, they had a whole new uh, I want to say it was like five or six episode series back in 2016, but we can get into that in a little bit. The original airing of the show started in September 10, 1993 um, and lasted until May 19, 2002, so it was Nine seasons total for the original run, which was 202 episodes. Um, it was it felt so much longer,
1: yeah. (laughs) It really did. Like, I remember that being such a big presence, and I guess that's probably because when the show aired, we were all what, like seven years old and would have been all the way through us graduate pretty much almost graduating high school, like into high school, yeah. So, that's a pretty big chunk of our lives,
2: yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so there were nine seasons total, 202 episodes, um, and something that was true with a lot of television shows around this time was that they started getting into the idea of serialized television. Um, So a lot of shows that were similar to this before it existed, such as Twilight Zone and things like that, and other other types of horror, sci-fi type shows were kind of episodic. They were very much this is a story contained to this half hour or 60 minute episode and right. that was it. And then the next week would be a completely different thing. It may even have the same characters but it's basically like the last episode never even happened. Where right.
0: And sometimes there was never even re- resolution.
2: Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. would just leave you hanging there and then, uh, <laughs> and then you have a completely new episode that never even touched on what the last episode had. Some of the cast, well, I don't know. Let me finish one last thought about that, because um, the interesting thing about the way that the X-Files was was written is because it was started in the 90s and things like TiVo, On Demand, Netflix, all these things didn't exist yet. I mean, if you wanted to rent episodes from Blockbuster, you might be lucky to get three on a VHS tape. Um, Yeah. And so making it completely serialized was not really a, a marketable thing that you could do on television at that point. But they had a whole mythology that existed through, I want to say, probably half the series. And then interspersed throughout, they would do what they call these Monsters of the Week episodes, which I always thought were super interesting, um, kind of a Tales of the Crypt type sort of feel um, that still operated in the same universe. Mulder and Scully were still part of it, um, but it was... Not at all in line with what the major arcing theme was, which we'll get to in so a it moment. Was,
1: it was kind of almost like uh, one of those uh, episodes you were talking about, like uh, a more self-contained episode where it was still like within that time period or whatever. But it was then working on like another case or something.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, okay. the, so the idea of the X-Files is how the name came to be as these were all the forgotten files, the unsolved files at the FBI that nobody handled. Agent Mulder, um, who was played by David Duchovny, and we'll get into the cast and all those facts in a minute, but he wanted to get to the bottom of, of a mystery. Spoilers. Uh, his uh, his sister was um, went missing when he was a kid, and he has a very vivid memory that it seemed that she was abducted by aliens and he was a firm believer that the truth was out there and that the government was covering it up but in his job in order to get to the bottom of whatever happened to his sister and you know investigate this far encompassing conspiracy about you know, government cover-ups and aliens and and what really happened to his sister, he still has to do his day job, too. So, um, which often (laughs) included, uh, yeah, there was something similar to, like, the Loch Ness Monster in one episode, I remember. There was an episode where this guy could manipulate fire, and that scared the shit out of me as a kid because um, (laughs) fire is really scary when you're a kid. cannibals living in the woods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was a whole bunch of these Um, very... Town of vampires? Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, so there's all these very interesting episodes that were kind of thrown in there as other similar unsolved cases that that, uh, Mulder and Scully would go investigate. So to kind of go into who Mulder and Scully were, they were um, played by David Duchovny, who's... This is by far and away his most famous role as Fox Mulder. Um, He's also played Hank Moody on California Cation. He's had some other TV and movie roles, but he's been on the simpsons and he's been on a whole bunch of different things playing fox Mulder. it's a very iconic role for him um and probably one that even long after he's gone he's going to be remembered for playing dana scully who we started the top of this section discussing in in great admiration is is uh jillian anderson dana scully from grand rapids michigan in the show they kind of wanted to turn around the idea that um of of the different gender roles, and so they made Fox Mulder the believer. He was going to be the one that needed to track the aliens, and he was the one that was blindly following his passions, um, and you know, always wanting to be right. That yes, this is this is the conspiracy. The government knows about aliens, and they're hiding this. Where Gillian Anderson, on the other hand. Uh, Dana Scully, she was a medical doctor and she was always skeptical. She always wanted to view things through the eye of the, of a scientist, you know, and, and be able to prove hypotheses and theories through testing these things. Um, and that kind of flipped those roles on their head because normally it would be, you know, well, you know how it would normally be. Anyway, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, some other great characters. Mitch Pelegi was Walter Skinner. He's done a million bazillion different things. Um, Once again, this is probably his biggest role. He was and Walter Skinner was um, he was like the assistant director of the FBI or something like that. So sometimes in certain episodes, he is the antagonist. And sometimes he is trying to help uh, Mulder and Scully with whatever they're trying to work out. Annabeth Gish and Robert Patrick kind of came in later in the series as other agents. Annabeth Gish played uh, Monica Reyes. She also played Cat um, in Mystic Pizza and Trish in one of my favorites, SLC Punk. And then Robert Patrick oh, yeah. uh, played uh, John Doggett, and he was most notably even bigger than this role. Um, he was T1000 in Terminator 2 Judgment Day, as well as uh, currently he plays Cable Gallo on Scorpion uh, on Network TV. Um, and then. Uh,
0: so, what was your favorite type of episode?
2: Were you a Monster of the Week guy or were you a mythology guy? You know, I I as a kid, I think that's probably what I liked more. My father in law actually, probably three or four years ago, actually did a rewatch of all of the mythology episodes, though. And I think it was harder to get into those at the time they were released because you'd have an episode one week and then you'd have this monster of the week episode the next week. And then you'd have like, you know, some type of we interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you a, a dog show or something like that. And so, <laughs> so it was like three or four weeks before you finally got to the next mythology episode sometimes. And so... It was hard to build that arc, but when you actually watch them back to back to back to back like you can do with modern technology, I actually prefer the mythology episodes um, because it starts off being about the government is hiding aliens to then the government may be hiding something bigger than aliens to there's some type of... um, human farming and a secret race of people and there's a whole bunch of really interesting interesting stuff um and i don't want to get into it too much cuz that really gets into the weeds and uh it's a, it's <laughs> it a really a very great big rabbit hole. Yeah, there. it's a really great series and I would highly recommend that everybody watch it. And if you need someone to watch it with and I'm not available, my father-in-law will definitely watch it with you. Um <laughs> he actually belongs to a group called the X-Files, like PH files. Um <laughs> and uh
1: That's amazing.
2: Yeah, when when my wife and I first started dating, um I remember he had a got a phone call or a text message or something in his phone was the x-files ringtone which um or his ringtone was the x-files theme i should say um and that theme is super iconic uh, it was written by mark snow probably one of the eeriest creepiest theme songs probably written for anything ever other than maybe like halloween or the twilight zone or something but it's uh it's very very iconic and very memorable and if you're not familiar with it i I don't know what to tell you, Um, but you can, you can definitely find videos of it on YouTube and stuff like that. It's, it's a very, very iconic uh, song. Um, Some smaller rolled characters, I should say lower build characters, because they were very important in the series. William B. Davis played the cigarette smoking man, who is kind of the Snape of the X-Files world. (laughs) <laughs> um,
0: that's a great way to put it yeah he,
2: he's he's really just a, a piece of work but um, he often wants to help Mulder uncover this truth but also at the same time seems like he kind of wants to trap him too um, and he never goes by any other name other than the cigarette smoking man or the smoking man or the cigarette man he's You know, he never goes by his actual name, at least not in my memory. I don't think that they ever go over that. Um, Not that I can remember. um, Nicholas Lee plays a a guy named Alex Krychek, who has like Soviet connections and is uh, kind of like a more action antagonist. So while the cigarette smoking man is kind of more of the brooding plotting, manipulating type. Crycheck is much more the I got guns and I'm going to shoot at you type of, of uh, <laughs> enemy. Um, and I think probably it. my favorite bit character um, was the lobby passerby played by Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters. Um, <laughs> <in a laughs> no 19- way. Yes, yes way. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah, in the episode uh, Pusher uh, from 1996. Uh, yeah, that's... a. Uh, I I remember seeing that as a kid and being like, that looks like, no, that, why would he be on TV? (laughs) And then as an adult, I had the exact same reaction, like, no, that can't, man, yeah. You know, what's weird.
1: I've heard rumors or I've seen things. Have you ever noticed that drummer from Nirvana? And the lead singer of Foo Fighters and that guy from uh, X-Files all look exactly the same.
2: It's really weird. Same thing with that guy with Queens of the Stone Age and the guy that plays Beelzebos in the Tenacious D movie. Um, <laughs> they all yes. They all have There's some explaining that needs to be done. There, there's, Seriously. <laughs> maybe there's that's the truth of... that's out there. Is, uh, <laughs> they're all really the same guy. The government's covering it up. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, what are you guys' kind of takeaways? I, I, I'm kind of lecturing a class here. Um, so <laughs> Mine's going to be really
1: quick. You guys are going to be completely surprised by this. I've only seen one episode of The X-Files.
2: Whoa, really? Seriously?
1: Yes. Did I, uh, in, that include the movies? You've never seen the movies? I've never seen the movies, nope. I uh, I was young. like We were pretty young when that came out again. We were seven years old when it came out. And that just was not my cup of tea at the time. I, uh, already was like, didn't like horror films and stuff like that a lot when I was younger. And this just never interested me, uh, to watch it when I was a kid. And I've just never gotten around to watching it. I actually now I'm really intrigued to, to watch it. And I kind of want to go back eventually and, uh, watch the series. But oh, you definitely, I've, I've should. seen, I've seen one episode of it and it was in a uh, film study class I took in, uh, college for my liberal arts credit or whatever, I had to take uh, one, like, arts class, and that was the one I took was a, uh, in fact, was I in that with you, Paul? Didn't we
0: take that? I was just gonna say, we took that class together.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't remember which episode it was we watched. I've been searching for it for the last 20 minutes or so, trying to figure out which episode. It's totally escaping me which episode we watched, but I know I've seen one, episode and there was like somebody kind of famous in that episode but completely you know by the wayside now.
2: The the closest thing on TV right now that I could relate the X-Files to is Stranger Things and anybody who's currently a fan of Stranger Things that has not seen the X-Files needs to watch all of it. Like they, they need to go back and check it out and I wouldn't necessarily classify it as horror. I would classify it as Science fiction, drama, mystery, thriller, supernatural fiction.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. It just, I'm reading this out of Wikipedia. It's not really my page.
2: words. It's the internet's words. But uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> So what about you, Paul? I, we know you, you were a pretty big uh, X-Files fan.
0: I was a big fan. I was always more of a monster of the week kind of guy at the time. I'll agree with Brian. Looking back at it now, the mythology is really what made it. Mm-hmm. I I do want to. I was going to end and say I want to put you guys on the spot and say what's your favorite episode for Adam? We all know it's the episode he can't remember that we he and I watched together. Yeah, obviously. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Brian, and say what is your favorite episode of the X Files? You could only pick one.
2: Oh my gosh! Um, I'm trying to remember this character's name now. There's a character that they find in the woods that kind of has a um, uh, kind of like a. uh, like a like, Jersey Devil? No, 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 no. Um, a different episode. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's it's a mythology episode, and he the, this guy in the woods kind of has this. Uh, I don't want to say it's like a clairvoyancy or tele like telepathy. What is his name? Um, oh my gosh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my my damn mind here. Um, <laughs> Dwayne Berry. Dwayne Berry is um, Dwayne Berry? <laughs> yeah. So Dwayne Berry was a, a character that. He was a, a, a very small character on X-Files, but he had some serious, serious issues. So he did, he did a tour in, in Vietnam, and he um, learned about the FBI's methods, handling hostage situations and stuff like that, and he was a multiple-time abductee himself. He's in two different episodes, but I would say that my favorite episode is the one where they find him and Mulder starts talking to him and trying to find out more about his experience with abduction. And I believe that episode is also the episode where Scully goes missing. I think a helicopter picks her up or something like that. Um, so it's a very, very big, exciting and adrenaline driven episode. Um, and it's an episode with Crychek in it as well. Um, who's, you know, kind of a you know, like I said, kind of the action villain in, in most of the episodes, kind of in the middle of the series. Um, but that would probably be my favorite. What one would be your favorite, Paul? Uh, mine would probably be the one where
0: they went back in time and told the origin of the Lone Gunmen and how they came together. Uh, <laughs> the Lone Gunmen were three. They were three minor characters that appeared in a few different story arcs. Yeah, they were three guys: a hippie, a conspiracy theorist, and a straight-up businessman that all kind of found themselves in the middle of a conspiracy and then went underground and they published a tabloid-like newspaper about conspiracies and they would bump into Sculler, or Scully and Mulder while they were investigating their cases. And it had a short-lived spin-off that was great. Um, there was a great episode where they played the origin of them. I love that episode. And then there was a very sad episode in which they gave their lives to save Scully and Mulder. Yeah,
2: they like locked themselves behind a impenetrable wall or something if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, I'm glad we were able to talk about the X-Files today. And uh, one last thing that I wanted to uh, shed some light on regarding the X-Files, because I live in the Washington, D.C. area now. Um, the show, most of it was based in D.C. and the surrounding areas because it was about two FBI agents looking for evidence about government conspiracies and cover-up. But in reality, like the first half of the series was filmed in Vancouver, Canada. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. And then they moved to Los Angeles, which is where most things are filmed. But it's always really interesting to me watching... And they're like, oh, I need to get all the way to, you know, Dulles Airport. And they're able to get there in 10 minutes. Like, there is no way in rush hour traffic you can get from, you know, LaFont Plaza to, to Dulles Airport in 10 minutes. no um, so way you can get to LaFont Plaza to, like, Chinatown in 10 minutes. Uh, those type of things I always find really fascinating. The uh, The... Geographic marvels of of that's the real government cover up right there is how do you get around D.C. that quickly? <laughs> but um, yeah, so they
1: they have the uh, they have that car from Men in Black. They press the little red button.
2: Oh, that might be it. Yep, and
1: <laughs> <laughs> Elvis isn't dead. He just went home. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly.
2: Well, we've come to that special time, folks. Um, we're going to visit the Hopper of Imagination, our, our good old friend, to find out what get topic- to the Hopper. Yeah, that, that's that, that will never get old. The hopper. <laughs> um, we will
1: still be doing this in episode 100, and we will still be laughing. <laughs>
2: um, and that admission just costs us half our fan base. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Please stay. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dad's still on, though. Yes! All right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Way to go, Dad! <laughs> So we're, we're going to go visit the Hopper of Imagination, find out what topics we will be discussing next week. As a brief reminder, folks, uh, I'm going to pick four topics, one at a time. We each get an opportunity to call dibs on that topic for a discussion that will lead similar to uh, the X-Files, Spawn Action Figures, and Mars Attacks, or we can collectively pass on one topic. Um, yep. Should be fun.
1: And while Brian is bringing up the Hopper of Imagination... Uh, I just want to take this time to remind you all uh, that if there is a topic you would like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. And we'd love to hear your submissions. We'll give you a shout out on the show, uh, like we did a few weeks ago with Micah. You, you know, you get your name tossed out on the air, and you get to hear us talk about an awesome topic, hopefully.
2: Yes. Yes, definitely. All right, you guys ready for topic number one? Let's do it. All right. One, two,
1: three dibs, right?
2: That's right. I don't want to screw this
0: up (laughs) again.
2: Okay. Yep, so I'm going to say the name of the topic, the type of topic, like the category that it falls into, and then I'll count to three. So um, it comes after two, for those of you unfamiliar with Counting, um, <laughs> aka Paul. One, two, five. <laughs> five is just out. Um, the, the, the first topic is Richie Rich movie. One, two, three. Dibs. All right. All right. The Macaulay Culkin classic. All right. The, you
1: mean the other Macaulay Culkin? Class. <laughs> this
2: this was his biggest role. He did no other roles bigger than this. Yes, he he
1: never had anything <laughs> of substance that he did in the rest of his career. Although I'll be, I thought you meant the Netflix show they just canceled. <laughs> I might have jumped faster if I'd realized
0: it was the '94 movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I always get Richie Rich and um, First Kid mixed up in my brain. Um, like the scenes oh, from yeah. it, they always get mixed up. So um,
0: how? I could see blank check because you know there's like mansions and Sid Band and huge amounts of
2: money, but how? <laughs> I think I just watched them at a similar time. I don't. There's really no good reason. So. I'm pretty sure they were a decade apart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know. We'll we'll find out next week. Adam's gonna tell us. So um, yep. <laughs> the uh, the next topic is the Darkness music artist. One, two, three. I'm gonna call dibs on that.
1: Yes! There's no better person to talk about the darkness than Brian. And
2: you guys will all find out next week why. I'm sure half the listeners already know why. But um, for those uninitiated, we will introduce that. Um, All right, so, Paul, there'll be a topic you can choose to call it, or if you pass on it, then you will ultimately have to take whatever the next topic is. Do you accept your mission? (sighs)
0: So much pressure. Uh, yes. All
2: right. This movie is. Oh, it is a movie. Uh, Armageddon uh, movie. One, two, three. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm
0: torn because there's the mystery of something better <laughs> looming around the horizon. <laughs> but if I turn but, down a Bruce Willis movie, but, then I might forever regret it.
1: But, <laughs> you, you're going to turn that down, and you're going to get Patrick Ewing. <laughs> <laughs> Which we
2: all know Wait, how much I will take, I, <laughs> we all know how much Paul loves like '90s basketball. So. <laughs>
1: yes. yes, that is the joke. There, we have nothing against Patrick Ewing on the show. <laughs> he played with Barry Sanders, right?
2: Yeah, yes, same same yes. sport. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: I, I will take Armageddon, but I'm dying to know what topic I could have missed out on if I could be allowed that courtesy.
2: We can we discuss that off air. Um,
0: for shame.
2: <laughs> but it, it, I think you made the right choice. <laughs> I think you made the right choice. Um, so uh, that's our show, folks. Thanks for joining us on Dating Ourselves.
1: And if you like what you heard, there's definitely more to come. Check us out at podcast to learn more about us, the show, and you can go to our Contact Us tab. If you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics for discussion.
2: You can also check us out on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash dating ourselves podcast. And if you're on Instagram, you can find us at Dating Ourselves Podcast.
0: And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. See you guys. See you guys. You San Diego. <laughs> <laughs>